Let me invite your attention to a passage out of the book of Deuteronomy, and you can follow as I read it. Um, for those of you who are new here at Gracie Van, just just a word. Um, we observe this sacrament once a month. Um, it varies pretty much, sometimes the first, sometimes the second Sunday of the month. But when we do, we try to make it the focal point of our service. And, and my comments are are made much shorter by um, our desire to focus on the um, the reality to which this symbol points. So my comments will be much briefer to the to the joy of many of you. But um, uh, follow as I read uh, four verses out of Deuteronomy chapter eight. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God. For the good land he has given you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. I wonder if you've ever noticed the number of idioms, um, colloquialisms that are, that are brought out of the Old Testament into the English language. Things like this. Um, you're, um, you're in a situation where you see what's about to happen and you say, uh, I can see the handwriting on the wall. Or um, you're in a particular difficult time and you describe it as being in a fiery furnace. Or um, you're about to go to a particularly tough, uh, uh, an unusually tough business meeting and you say to your, your secretary, um, I'm about to walk into a lion's den. Or you recognize that your husband is just, is um, not all you'd hoped, and you discover that he has feet of clay. Folks, those are just four idioms that come out of the book of Daniel. All four of those things that we use in the English language come out of the book of Daniel. I, I wondered if you knew that, but um, there are numerous such things throughout the Old Testament. There's another one that comes uh, not out of the book of Daniel, but it's one that you're familiar with, and we use it. We use it in our own uh, language. It's this. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's all through the Pentateuch. It's all through the uh, the first five books of the Bible. That God comes to Israel. I, I read you a passage that described it. didn't use the, the idiom because I did that on purpose. But it's all through uh, the, the Old Testament. That uh, Israel was promised a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Now, guys, that is... An, um, that is a metaphor. It's an idiom. And an idiom means you're, you're never supposed to understand them literally. I mean, Israel didn't, didn't expect that she was going to walk into a land that had little rivulets of, of honey and little streams that flowed with homogenized 2%. But she understood that what God was saying is that God was going to meet her need, that God was going to provide. But unfortunately, Israel, among a lot of the mistakes that she made, is that she, when she heard that, she preeminently thought of it in terms of food. The land for her, for Israel, 
equaled food. And by the way, I can prove that, I think. For instance, uh, do you remember the story in uh, Numbers 13? Do you remember that story when Moses sent out the 12 spies? Remember that? And uh, uh, they come back and 10 of them bring the bad report and, and the two of them bring the good report. Joshua and Caleb, remember that? Do you remember what the 10 spies brought with them? They said, we can't go to the land of milk and honey. But by the way, look at the food that it produced. And, you know, in the pictures that you see in the children's book, they're carrying grapes and they're huge. And, and I don't know whether it's grapes or apples or pomegranates. I don't know what it was. But they brought back uh, for everybody to see an example of the food that was in there. There's another event that, that I think illustrates my point. It's, it's not as well known as that one. It's a rebellion that takes place um, led by Korah. Remember that? It's in uh, number 16. But Korah is upset with Moses because Moses is the big shot and he doesn't get to be the big shot. And so uh, he comes to Moses and he says, I've had enough of you. Excuse me. I've had enough of you. And um, uh, you took us out of a land that flowed with milk and honey. And now you have not led us into the land that flows with milk and honey. And do you remember the discussions that Israel used to have contained in the, the Pentateuch? They would sit there and say, oh, I wish we were back there. Back where we sat around the pots where we had as much meat as we could eat. We had, we had melons and leeks, whatever they are, and, and, and onions and garlic. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty stinky meal to me, but um, we had all that food. Now, you brought us out to this wilderness. We don't have any food. Now, guys, all of that to try to make this point. Israel defined her needs as being something that was associated with her belly. Um... You, you, you fast forward into the New Testament and you see her make this kind of mistake when, when they're evaluating Christ. I mean, for, for Israel, she thought that if I can fill up my belly, I'll be fine. That, that my needs were purely physical. That shalom, shalom would be mine if we can have a land and a leader and military dominance and lots of food. And so Christ shows up and he's talking about a kingdom. He's got a kingdom he wants to announce. And they say, ah, tell us more. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? What? What do you mean poor? That's not, that's no way to build a kingdom. Blessed are the meek. That ain't gonna cut it. Because do you, under, do you see, ladies and gentlemen, that when, when they thought kingdom, they thought in terms of something purely physical. That is, if I can meet the needs of my belly, everything's going to be fine. And guys, Israel missed and misdefined the arrival of the Messiah... Because they thought of the Messiah in something purely physical. That is, that somebody will meet our needs. And because they misdefined 
the size and the nature of their need. When they heard kingdom, they thought military dominance. And they thought if we can just get rid of these nasty old Romans, then we're going to be fine. Guys, this whole... This whole land and food motif that you find in the Old Testament, it indeed is a metaphor. It was, a, it was a communication on the part of God saying, yes, I'm going to meet your needs. But your needs are far beyond something that extends to your, your diet. In fact, the biggest need that you have is something's got to be done about your sin. I'm going to have to do something about the spiritual need that you have. And that has to do with dealing with your sin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, forget Israel. Let's talk about us. Do you think that that once you participate in this sacrament, that everything's going to be fine spiritually with you. No, that's not true. In fact, in some ways, that's to make the same mistake that Israel made. Because what you need is not a sacrament. It's not What you need is not some kind of religious experience. You don't need a church membership. You don't need... Um, I hope you do have a church membership, but... And that's not the thing that's going to address your, your need. Guys, I hear it all the time. I hear, I heard it this week. Somebody's in crisis and here's, here's how they think. They're in a crisis and they say to me, they say, I'm going to have to get back in church. Now, you know, as a preacher, I'm always glad to hear people say they want to get back in church. But they're thinking, I gotta get back in church because once I get back in church, then I'll get straightened out and, and I can fix myself if I can just, if I can just work from the outside in. And the first thing that I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna change my schedule and I'm gonna get in church. Do you see the mistake? The mistake is to misdefine the size and the nature of your need. Because the real need that you have is for a Savior. Guys, sin has eaten away at the spiritual vitality of us all. And the only way to heal that, the only way to fix that, the only way to address that is by grabbing hold to Christ. And not letting go. You know, Israel thought, if we can just get to that land of the milk and honey, we'll have all the bread we can eat. (laughs) And then Jesus shows up and says, I'm the bread of heaven. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood. And they're thinking, What in the world is he talking about? 
He's talking about this, ladies and gentlemen, that the real need that all of us have is not to fill up our stomachs. It's not to attend a church. It's not to participate in religious exercises. It's not to engage in the sacraments, get baptized. The real need that we have is to address our sin. Guys, when you eat this food, that's, 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 it has a purpose to it. And the purpose is not found in the eating. The purpose is that it's supposed to remind you of how God met our need. He met it. Not by filling our bellies. He met it by sending a Savior. And so, my invitation to you is simply this. As you eat this, let it take you away from the the physical and let it take you to the place that it's supposed to take you. Let it take you to the person to whom this points. At the end of participation here, what's supposed to happen is that we lay hold of Christ more firmly. Let's do that. Our Father, I I do thank you for every opportunity that we have to be, first of all, reminded of our need, but then to be reminded of the great provision that you have made for our need, that we have, um, that we have not an unmet need, We have a need that has been met by the the perfect work, the perfect life and death of Jesus Christ. And in him, our need is met. And so, Father, while we gather around these emblems of his sacrifice, would you permit Jesus Christ to become more real to each of us? Do that, Father. For Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray, amen.